Welcome to High Tide for Change. I am your host, Shona Jenkins, coming to you from the International Water Association in The Hague. High Tide for Change is a four-part podcast series exploring key themes and challenges within the water sector, showcasing best practices, innovative technologies, and the water professionals that are helping to shape the global water agenda and drive forward the sustainable development goals. In honor of the theme of this year's World Water Week in Stockholm, Water and Waste, Reduce and Reuse, we will be kicking off the podcast series by moving in virtuous circles as we discuss the circular economy of water and related sectors. What is the circular economy, you ask? It is premised on the idea that we must decouple economic growth and development from the consumption of finite resources which means that economic growth and development in the future will be fueled by renewables. A circular economy of water would require us to reduce the depletion of freshwater resources to reuse water after its first use and create value from the materials, nutrients, and energy that constitute wastewater. If we reimagine wastewater treatment as value recovery, water can be cycled between uses and can safely be used to replenish freshwater environments. So without further ado, I would like to welcome today's guest, Maria Rodsten-Sagen. Maria is an ex-colleague of mine here at the IWA, where she worked in the Urban Water and Sanitation Programs Department and has a background in environmental engineering, sanitation, and urban development issues. Maria, get us started with some initial thoughts on why the transition to a circular economy is so exciting and open the discussion for us on the different pathways towards a circular economy within the water sector. Thank you so much, Shona, and thank you so much for having me. I think most people know the circular economy by now, or the term, and I think it's it's just generally acknowledged in this world that this linear approach that we've been running around with for quite a while, it, it's just, it, just, it doesn't go in the long run. And I think one thing that's been important for me for many years is the realization that there's not such a thing as as pollution is just a too high concentration of something in the wrong place. And that's what the circular economy is all about too. It's how you can close loops and move materials in the right ways and collaborate with partners you didn't think about collaborating with initially. In many yeah. ways, it's not a new thing. Like again, we talk about sustainability and a lot of things are already happening. And, and that's something through my work, something we really try to show at the IWA, especially through this framework that we made called Water Utility Pathways in a Circular Economy. Okay, and so for that, that's really highlighting the role, as you said, that uh, wastewater and water utilities can play kind of being the engines for growth within the circular yes, economy. Yes, and that's really important because we see there's an incredible potential here for utilities to do even more. A lot of utilities are already doing stuff, but if we're going to achieve the SDGs, there is still more to do. But again, there's incredible opportunities and you see it more and more. And the market is often in the way. People say often the regulation is in the way, so close collaboration also up to regulators. It's important or finding a niche market market for new resource recovered products. But there's also examples of utilities being ahead of the curve, pushing the legislation itself. For example, Amsterdam Waternet started making struvite, a crystalline fertilizer out of wastewater. And by in this okay. in the process of them starting to develop this, they made the legislation follow them and now it's legal for them to actually sell it on the market. Because it's, it's usually that the legislation kind of limits the potential for not only utilities but also businesses, let's say, to play a role in transforming human waste into a fertilizer for agriculture, correct? Yes, certainly, but it's also changing, like especially at EU level, it's being acknowledged and with the circular economy package, water is a part of it. Maybe it could have been even larger and they're adjusting stuff now that's related to it like the fertilizer legislation and so on so 
even the EU is moving towards a circular economy, like mm-hmm. how you can make and the waste status. So something no longer has a status as a waste as it is recovered. So again, a lot of technical solutions are already coming and already there. Yeah, but if we move away from those case examples from high income countries and we look at the lower income countries, what is the purpose of creating value from waste would really be for agriculture? Is that Would that be fair to say? It, like by and large? In, in, in many cases, yes. And that's often what we see today. There's been a lot of good research looking a lot at emerging economies and how you can you can do building materials, you can do fuels. But again, because of nutrients, often it makes more sense to get the nitrogen and phosphorus back to the soil and use it back into food and, and close the loop, as we say that way. Again, it's happening a lot in a lot of emerging economies, but it's often informal reuse, which can be can be dangerous, right? There's health risks. Uh, it's an example I often use. I think it's Jack Sim, which is working a lot with toilets, once compared wastewater to fire. Like if you don't manage it properly, it can be very dangerous, but if it's managed properly, it's a great potential. I agree. It's a fair analogy to give a statistic. This is based on 2008 research. So 200 million farmers worldwide actually irrigate their fields with raw sewage. So if if this waste was treated to high enough standard, then we would just almost eradicate the health risk associated with that's that. That's the thing. And is around 80% of the sewage worldwide, or even, yeah, that's a rough number at least, is not treated at all. So there's definitely some linkages here that those two problems could be connected and, and make, made into solutions. And I think there's a massive opportunity. So also the World Health Organization has been very much on this thought. They have already guidelines for reuse of wastewater, excreta, and, and gray water. One thing I've been working also with is sanitation safety planning, which is just about that. Like you make a risk assessment of your sanitation system to make sure it's safe. And through that, trying to get the informal sector as part of it and slowly get it formalized. Because there's ways to make it safe without having very big and fancy technologies. And there's different steps. Yeah, different steps if we focus on just the stages in the sanitation service chain, how it's about user behaviors, right? It's about how are we collecting it? How are we transporting it? How are we treating it? And then how is the treated exactly, effluent exactly. transported? So you can have a multi-barrier approach, right? It doesn't. It's not only about how you treat the wastewater from an effluent. It depends how the workers are working. Like, are they using personal protective equipment? And, and is the salad washed before consumption? And even if you irrigate with wastewater and how long you wait until you harvest, like small things like that and this is the strength about sanitation safety planning because it looks at the entire chain and all the stakeholders and especially in a lot of emerging economies it's mainly on-site sanitation right and the the private sector there with the truck emptiers and everything and and the complexity of that it's not easy but sanitation safety planning embraces this complexity and i think that's that's the strength of it and i suppose with going from country to country sanitation safety planning would have to be able to address vastly different contexts with varying levels of functioning utilities and degrees of treatment for wastewater, etc. So are there examples that you can share? Like where have you worked with regards to the sanitation safety planning when you were here at the IWA? So I've been mainly working uh, with Kampala in Uganda, which is a really, really good example. And it's super impressive what they're doing, uh, especially because the city authority has the mandate to do on-site sanitation and they've been making a really good partnership together with utilities. So they're working alongside. and, And I think Again, sanitation safety planning is a risk assessment, right? So it's it's a really good tool, especially mm-hmm. in emerging economies. You, you need to manage your investments. And it's not always money for everything. It, it never is anywhere. But And because you have a risk assessment, it's easy to prioritize from the outcomes you get from the risk assessment. And the sanitation safety planning is not a plan like on paper. It's more a practical tool. And it's all about how you monitor and how you 
day-to-day operations can be improved from this. So I, I think it's really important there to underline that it's not just technology that's going to be the silver bullet here, right? It's it's about operational processes yes. and policy and market regulations and such. Okay, so while you were here with the IWA, you mentioned that you went to Kampala. Were you able to travel more widely and, and kind of see what's happening on the ground and see how your work is being implemented? Yeah, I was also uh, more related to sanitation safety planning again. I was in Kolkata in India and we were working uh, again, training a lot of people from different regions, giving their experience as well from I think like around 12 different countries. And we were also using a local case there where a huge natural wetland area is used, where wastewater is received. And then there's agriculture going on there. And then later it's used for agriculture as well. And again, this seems to be a successful case, but then as the city is growing, many people don't want the wetland there anymore but also there's also some challenges maybe with heavy metal in the fish and again there needs to be more research and and there needs to be a proper risk assessment in place to make sure that you safeguard both human and environmental health. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess, as you've mentioned before, the risk assessment is in many ways risks posed to human health. If you don't manage sanitation properly, if you don't manage to transform it and treat it to an appropriate standard. Just to shift gears here, why are you interested in sanitation and kind of what, what drives you and brought you into this kind of subsector uh, within the water sector? I guess it's a, a long story. I, I always love nature. I'm, I'm very much into environmental issues. And then I started traveling at a young age, so for example, in India when I was 19, which can be disputed how <laughs> wise the decision that was, but also got very much into equity issues and started to understand like how how this world is connected and, and how, how we influence each other and that something's just not acceptable how, the way there already is. So then I got into urbanization a lot, like I was very interested in cities and, and did a longer journey also by myself on that, like trying to understand the dynamics of bigger cities and, and again, how a city is just a density of people really and like what opportunities does this density give us? And then for my master's, there were some people, a very excited uh, professor, Peter Jens, who started presenting on sanitation and it just a lot of pieces just fell together because sanitation is, well, let's face it, there's a lot of taboos. Like most people avoid this area as much as they can. And that because of that reason, the, the innovation the last hundred years, like there's very little has happened. And there's, again, that creates such a potential. And I just saw the need for, for more things to happen. And again, like how you think cities and sanitation together and how you can recycle nutrients. It's just it's a super exciting area. And the more I learned, the more excited I got. So yeah, that's easy to be passionate about. So that's it. The toilets is my thing now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess if you were a young professional out there or a young water professional out there, you would say that there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of space for growth just within sanitation. Yes, definitely. There, it's an under-resourced area within the water sector, just I guess. Just underestimated and we need much more people to see how exciting this is but we're getting them quickly yeah there's a lot of young people coming out but especially in a lot of emerging economies there's a huge hr gap when it comes to wastewater and sanitation i think it's super interesting and although you're leaving the iwa or you left the iwa we're really excited that you're staying on this very circular path you took on a position at this company invertipro so do you want to explain to us what they're all about what they do it's a it's a small norwegian startup and again i don't know all the details i'm just starting up now myself with some friends it's very very small it's it's me and two others basically day to day similar to waste i love to take nasty stuff and show how there's something valuable to it 
this is just the same. It's taking mm-hmm. food waste and then have insects transforming this into animal fodder. Actually, the insects themselves become animal fodder. So insect eats food waste, and then you grind up these insects to like a powder, and then that powder can be yeah either like for either for pets or the aquaculture as we're looking into in Norway now. So you can get the fish leftover stuff and then make that into food for the fish and then in this process too when you squeeze all the powder together there's like an insect oil coming out and that can also be reused and then on top of that is also actually the Ah. excreta of the bugs uh, is also a product so everything is super super circular and closed loop and but again this is a technology especially with black soldier fly larvae that's been also used for for wastewater and and or for fecal sludge so very exciting technology definitely i mean before we started this interview i watched a time lapse to see so the insects that you use to to eat the organic waste the mealworms and black soldier flies so in this little video they put two slices of white bread and then you could just watch how quickly it all got eaten up and it's it's terrifying in many <laughs> ways but i was amazed i won't lie so <laughs> but i think it's really innovative and it's really just showing the potential of this whole circular thinking and, and really transforming so much of this negative, a waste, into something really, really valuable and sustainable, of course. All right, Maria, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on High Tide for Change. To learn more about the circular economy in the water sector, you can check out the IWA publication on water utility pathways in a circular economy. You can find High Tide for Change on our website at www.iwa-network.org forward slash resources. You can subscribe on SoundCloud and follow us on Twitter at IWAHQ hashtag High Tide for Change. I'm going to let Maria lead us out with one final message for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for having me, Sean. It's been a hard decision to leave, but I'm, I'm very much definitely staying on as a member. And that's one thing I would encourage everyone out there when it comes to getting these things moving, moving towards the SDGs and circle economies. You need to be sharing knowledge with other people in the sector. You need to be connected to the right people and, and either way is the place. Join us next month on High Tide for Change as we discuss turning waste into value based on a case study in Ghana with Safi Sana. I'm Shona Jenkins. Catch you next time.